Good morning and welcome to Emmanuel Anglican Church. This is morning prayer for the morning of Sunday, May 3rd. And I believe it is the fourth Sunday after Easter. This morning as we gather together for prayer and for worship, as we gather together to hear from God's Word, we begin by praying. O God, our King, by the resurrection of your Son, Jesus Christ, on the first day of the week, you conquered sin, put death to flight, and gave us the hope of everlasting life. Redeem all our days by this victory. Forgive our sins, banish our fears, make us bold to praise you and to do your will, and steal us to wait for the consummation of your kingdom on the last great day, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let us begin our worship service this morning with a call to worship, a reading of an ancient Easter hymn. This comes from the 8th century. Come, ye faithful, raise the strain of triumphant gladness. God hath brought his Israel into joy from sadness. Loosed from Pharaoh's bitter yoke, Jacob's sons and daughters led them with unmoistened foot through the Red Sea waters. Tis the spring of souls today, Christ hath burst his prison, and from three days sleep in death as a sun hath risen. All the winter of our sins, long and dark, is flying from his light, to whom we give laud and praise undying. Now the queen of seasons, bright with the day of splendor, with the royal feast of feasts, comes its joy to render, comes to glad Jerusalem, who with true affection welcomes in unwearied strains Jesus' resurrection. Neither might the gates of death, nor the tomb's dark portal, nor the watchers, nor the seal hold thee as a mortal. But today amidst thine own thou didst stand, bestowing that thy peace which evermore passeth human knowing. Alleluia, Christ is risen. The Lord is risen indeed. Alleluia. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Dearly beloved, the scriptures teach us to acknowledge our many sins and offenses, not concealing them from our Heavenly Father, but confessing them with humble and obedient hearts, that we may obtain forgiveness by His infinite goodness and mercy. We ought at all times humbly to acknowledge our sins before Almighty God, but especially when we come together in His presence, to give thanks for the great benefits we have received at His hands, to declare His most worthy praise, to hear His holy word, and to ask for ourselves and on behalf of others those things which are necessary for our life and our salvation. Therefore, draw near with me to the throne of heavenly grace. Let us confess our sins. Almighty and most merciful Father, we have erred and strayed from your ways like lost sheep. We have followed too much the devices and desires of our own hearts. We have offended against your holy laws. We have left undone those things which we ought to have done. And we have done those things which we ought not to have done. And apart from your grace, there is no health in us. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Spare all those who confess their faults. Restore all those who are penitent, according to your promises declared to all people in Christ Jesus our Lord. And grant, O most merciful Father, for his sake, 
that we may now live a godly, righteous, and sober life to the glory of your holy name. Amen. Almighty God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, desires not the death of sinners, but that they may turn from their wickedness and live. He has empowered and commanded his ministers to pronounce to his people, being penitent, the absolution and remission of their sins. He pardons and absolves all who truly repent and genuinely believe his holy gospel. For this reason, we beseech him to grant us true repentance and his Holy Spirit, that our present deeds may please him, the rest of our lives may be pure and holy, and that at the last we may come to his eternal joy through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. O Lord, open our lips, and our mouth shall proclaim your praise. O God, make speed to save us. O Lord, make haste to help us. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Praise the Lord. The Lord's name be praised. Alleluia, the Lord is risen indeed. O come, let us adore him. Alleluia. Let us adore our risen Lord and Savior by saying together the Pascha Nostrum, Christ our Passover, found printed on page 5 of our Easter liturgical booklets. Together we say, Alleluia! Christ our Passover has been sacrificed for us, therefore let us keep the feast, not with the old leaven, the leaven of malice and evil, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. Alleluia! Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. The death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So also consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Jesus Christ our Lord. Alleluia. Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. Alleluia. The psalm appointed for this morning, this fourth Sunday after Easter, is Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. We respond to the reading of the psalm by saying together, Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. A reading from Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. 
And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's respond to the reading of this word by saying together, Alleluia, Alleluia. You will find it printed on page 6 of your worship booklets. Alleluia, Alleluia. Give thanks to the risen Lord. Alleluia, Alleluia. Give praise to His name. Jesus is Lord of all the earth. He is the King of creation. Alleluia, Alleluia. Give thanks to the risen Lord. Alleluia, Alleluia. Give praise to His name. Please stand for the reading of the Gospel. The Holy Gospel of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, according to St. John, the 10th chapter, beginning at the first verse. Glory to you, Lord Christ. Jesus here is speaking. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. This is the gospel of Christ. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Let us respond to the reading of the gospel by saying together, Christ triumphant, ever reigning. Christ triumphant, ever reigning, Savior, Master, King, Lord of heaven, our lives sustaining, hear us as we sing. Yours the glory and the crown, the high renown, the eternal name. Come now, Holy Spirit, we pray. As we turn to the preaching of the word, we simply pray, show us Jesus. In John chapter 10, in Acts chapter 2, show us Jesus and glorify him. Come Holy Spirit and do this, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you're still standing with me, please be seated. Folks, I don't think it's uh, an overstatement to say that uh, here we are in the spring of 2020 in a time of shaking. Those things we trust for security and well-being are being shaken. Those things by which we define ourselves are being shaken. Our social lives, our working lives, our religious lives all have been shaken. The things around which we've built our lives and the things upon which we've built them, the pillars and the foundations, shaken. There's been another time in which such a shaking occurred. 
On the morning of Tuesday, September 9th, 2001, I was in Hebrew class. While early that morning, terrorists attacked the United States of America by flying hijacked commercial airliners into the twin buildings of the World Trade Center, the Pentagon, and due to the bravery of its passengers, one into the ground of western Pennsylvania. Like most of America, I watched in horror at the unfolding of the events of that day. And the pillars of American life were shaken. Those things in which we placed our trust and our hope for security and well-being were shaken. Our social lives, our working lives, our religious lives in 2001, all shaken. Those things around which we had built our lives and the things upon which we had built them were shaken by the tremors and the earthquakes of a terrorist attack. Both then in 2001 and now in 2020, I think we need to recognize that shaking of the pillars and the foundations of our lives leads to crisis. And in a crisis, where do we turn? Or perhaps better yet, where do we return? Unmasking basic instincts and basic priorities, crisis reveals who we are, reveals what we trust. Crisis unmasks our idols through this shaking. Writing in Absalom, Absalom, William Faulkner says, A man always falls back upon what he knows best in a crisis. The murderer upon murder, the thief thieving, the liar lying. What does this crisis, what does this shaking reveal about us? How have we responded? Where have we turned? And I think it's important for us to begin to ask the question, what will life be like when it's over? Psalm 23, with its promises of God's presence, protection, and provision, is a powerful, encouraging, and reassuring psalm. This was the psalm appointed for the day where we began this uh, lockdown. And as powerful as the psalm and its imagery were when David wrote it, I can't help but think that it had to have become more meaningful with the words of the prophet Ezekiel. There in Ezekiel chapter 34, God rebuked the bad leaders of the people, calling them shepherds, and he promises through Ezekiel's mouth, I will set up over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he shall feed them. He shall feed them and be their shepherd, and I, the Lord, will be their God, and my servant David shall be prince among them. I am the Lord, I have spoken. And then in John chapter 10, Jesus declares himself to be the good shepherd. And in doing so, he declares himself to be the shepherd promised by God in Ezekiel 34, the one who will bring about the provision, the protection, and the presence of Psalm 23. It's not a coincidence that Jesus' declaration, I am the door of the sheep, and the, and the second declaration in John 10, I am the good shepherd, it's not a coincidence that they come where they do within John's gospel narrative. These declarations come as a rebuke to the so-called shepherds, the leaders and rulers of the Jewish people who had abused the man born blind in chapter 9. In Ezekiel chapter 34, God is hammering on these false shepherds, these bad leaders who had simply fleeced the flock, looked out for their own well-being and not the well-being of the people. 
in sort of a recapitulation or a retelling of that exact same thing. In John chapter 10, Jesus is rebuking the Pharisees and the synagogue's leaders for their treatment of the man who had been born blind and been healed. In John chapter 9, Jesus healed this man born blind, and the man who who had received the healing from Jesus continued to give witness about Jesus. He said to the leaders of the Pharisees in the the synagogue, I don't know, just what I know is he healed me, therefore he must be from God. God, do you want to be one of his disciples? And, and they eventually, they excommunicate him. They throw him out of the synagogue. These so-called shepherds abuse the sheep. And Jesus, in John chapter 10, is calling them out. He calls them out as bad shepherds. He calls them out as the same kind of shepherds that God rejected in Ezekiel 34. And he identifies himself as the promised shepherd who gives the provision of life, protection, and the very presence of God. Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came, listen, all who came before me are thieves and robbers. But the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved, and he and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. We should be hearing echoes of green pastures and still waters from that beloved Psalm 23. We should be hearing echoes in Jesus' words of the provision of life and abundance. This life, the promises of God in Psalm 23, this life is found only by entering into the fold of God through Jesus, the door. This deliverance, this salvation, this provision, this protection, this presence is found only through Jesus. For a sheep, green pastures and good water, that's life. For a sinner, the provision of God in Jesus Christ is life. I am the good shepherd, Jesus says, and the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Jesus proclaims himself to be the good shepherd, the promised David of Ezekiel 34. He's not the stranger. He's not the hired hand. He's the shepherd who stands in the face of the wolf and does battle with evil, even at the cost of his own life. And notice how Jesus defines being the good shepherd. Those bad shepherds of Ezekiel chapter 34, they sought to preserve themselves at the cost of the sheep. But Jesus, the good shepherd, gives up his own life for the good of the sheep. He protects the good of the sheep at cost to himself. There's this reversal. Being a sheep in the fold of God through Jesus Christ, the door, and under his watchful provision and protection is the only place we're ever truly safe. It's the only place that we have the presence of Jesus and are known by him and can know him. I am the good shepherd, Jesus says. I know my own and my own know me just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. In the midst of a crisis, in the midst of shaking, A man falls back on what he knows best. And what do we know best? Who do we know best? Only the Good Shepherd gives us peace, true peace, in the midst of crisis. Only Jesus, the Good Shepherd, gives us the protection that we need, the provision and protection and the presence of God. He does this by making those who believe and trust in Him His sheep, 
He brings them into His fold under His watchful care. In a time of shaking and crisis, there seems to be a natural tendency to cry out for help, even to one to whom one has never cried before. In the fall of 2001, people who before had not looked toward God because of the shaking. And this turn toward God lasted only about six weeks. By early October, special operations warriors had been uh, inserted into Afghanistan to hunt the enemy. And by certainly by late October of 2001, with some notable exceptions, life was returning back to normal. And in fact, now, almost 20 years after this attack, this event, life really isn't that much different, is it? The cry upward towards God in the face of shaking in the midst of crisis was short-lived. And it seems to have been little more than a shot across the bow, a blip on the radar. What about now? This is where I'm really interested in thinking together this morning and talking. What about now? How have we responded to today's shaking? How have we as individuals responded to the present crisis? How have we as a church responded? Where have we turned? And how will we be different when we emerge into a post-COVID-19 world? What will remain? What will change? Some things will never change. Jesus will still be, is now, and always will be the foundation upon which we are called to build our lives. He is the one we should know best. He's the foundation that never shakes. His body, the church, are pillars that cannot be shaken. And though it will be different, and in His grace, our church will emerge from COVID-19 in this time of shaking. But how and what will we look like? Jesus is still the Good Shepherd. His sheep still the church devoted to the things of God. Immediately after Luke's account of the day of Pentecost, in Acts chapter 2, he writes, So those who received the word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. In one day, the church grew from about 120, that number Luke reports in chapter 1, verse 15, to 3,120. Luke then, beginning with verse 42, gives a summary of what the earliest church looked like. He records four points of devotion, four things around which the individuals of the church were joined, and thus four things around which the church was gathered. Coming as it does so quickly after the events of Pentecost, Anglican pastor John Stott has referred to these four points of devotion as, quote, evidence of the power and presence of the Holy Spirit, end quote. We read in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. In what some commentators have called a commitment-phobic society, it is best for us to begin our conversation with the idea of devotion. Devotion is commitment to something and the faithful pursuit of that something. To be devoted to something means you pursue it with diligence and continual action that never gives up. Being devoted to something means that you give that thing that to which you're devoted authority over you. It is the thing that frames your life and your behavior. It is the thing that you know best. 
There are in Acts chapter 2, verses 42 and 43, four objects of devotion for the sheep belonging to the Good Shepherd. These things are to be the objects of devotion for Jesus' universal sheepfold, the church, and for all the local folds, local churches. These are things of Jesus. These are things of the Good Shepherd because they reveal Jesus. They're created by Jesus. They're given by Jesus and are privileges from Jesus. The apostles' teaching. It's teaching by the apostles would necessarily have been about Jesus. And a great example of apostolic teaching is found in Peter's sermons in Acts chapter 2 and 3. And again, his statements before the leaders of the Jewish people in Acts chapter 4. The apostles' teaching more than just a biography of Jesus. As Peter's examples show, that was about sin and salvation, about crucifixion and resurrection, his ascension, Jesus' ascension, and the gift of the Holy Spirit. That's apostolic teaching and preaching focused on Jesus, but it also would have been from all of the scriptures. As we saw last week in our sermon from Luke chapter 24, what we call the Old Testament is a part of the apostles' teaching because it was from God, was about Jesus, and rightly understood in the light of Jesus. On that dusty road from a dusty road from Jerusalem to Emmaus, Jesus said to his disciples, O foolish men and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And then we're told in Luke chapter 24, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. When our Anglican tradition defines a church, a sheepfold, he does, it does so by stating the visible church of Christ is a congregation of faithful men in which the pure word of God is preached. In a time of shaking, the pillar of Scripture remains unmoved. And as we emerge from isolation, our little fold called Emmanuel will remain devoted to the Apostles' teaching found in the whole counsel of God. The fellowship is a concept that we sort of grasp, but maybe not the fullness of it. Uh, fellowship, the best English translation of the Greek word koinonia, doesn't quite capture the totality of what the word means. Koinonia is a close association involving mutual interest and sharing. It's also an attitude of goodwill that manifests an interest in a close relationship and is quite simply participation. To say then that the earliest church was marked by a devotion to fellowship, to koinonia, is to say that the members of the earliest church had things in common, faith, life, and relationships. The first common thing that they had was faith in Jesus as Lord and Savior. And so fellowship among believers in Jesus is fundamentally unity in, by, and around Jesus as Lord and Savior. If we were to call the church a shared interest group, it wouldn't be because of hobbies. It certainly wouldn't be because of uh, ethnicity or economics. It's not about political persuasion. If we talk about the church being a shared interest group, it's because there's unity in Jesus. And inside of that fellowship where there is unity in Jesus, there is diversity. It's not homogeneity. St. Paul comments in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, the one body consists of many parts devoted to the fellowship, shared life in Jesus. Now, this is a weird time for fellowship, isn't it? 
The very idea of fellowship carries with it an implicit physicality, that fellowship of companionship. And folks, I can't speak for anyone than myself, but I miss my church family, and I believe that Emmanuel will emerge from this pandemic, this time of isolation, with a greater and more intentional focus on koinonia, on fellowship. What that will look like, I can't specifically yet say, but I believe this time of disfellowship gives us greater clarity about the necessity of devotion to fellowship. The breaking of bread is widely understood to be the regular practice of the Lord's Supper and is an object of devotion for the church. It's focused on Jesus. It reveals Jesus. It's a gift from Jesus. As we share in the Lord's Supper, we are in the presence of Christ. He is present to us. The bread and the wine are the sign, the symbol of Christ's body and blood. But like all signs and symbols, they're not the thing as signified. In our celebration, Christ is present. Christ is, as Sinclair Ferguson puts it, known through the elements by the Spirit. There's a genuine communion with Christ in the Supper. He is present in the Supper by the power of the Spirit. As we break bread together in the presence of Christ, we are, uh, by the work of the Holy Spirit, we are brought into and receive the very spiritual presence of Christ by grace through faith, through that bread and wine. And in this, we are bound closer together. Fellowship, koinonia, is actually strengthened as sinners saved by grace receive grace from God together by the taking of communion. Like many of you, I lament our current fasting from the Lord's Supper. I, I miss the bread on my tongue, the taste of the wine. I miss hearing the responses of my brothers and sisters. I miss sharing together in the Lord's body and blood. And when we emerge from our fasting, we will celebrate together with a great celebration together in the Lord. The fourth object of devotion, the prayers. Prayer is a privilege of sonship, of being a daughter of God, adopted to the Father through the Son in the Holy Spirit. And in that place of adoption, prayer is a conversation with God. Corporate prayer, then, is coming as God's children into God's presence to seek God together. Do you see how even prayer is an aspect of fellowship? And when we pray, because of the work of God in Jesus Christ and the gift of the Holy Spirit, we pray as God's children, as objects of the Father's love. We have the privilege of prayer. We can pray together because of Jesus. We've really emphasized prayer during this period, during this pandemic and this crisis, social distancing and isolation. We have prayers every day of the week at noon and 9 o'clock on Sundays. And so we are praying now. But will we continue to pray after We're being shaken, but we've been shaken before. Whatever revival that occurred after 9-11 was short-lived, and perhaps because we were not able or were unwilling to continue to hold fast to Jesus once the danger was past, and thus we didn't devote ourselves to the things of Jesus. I'm not laying blame or singling out any specific church. This is a nationwide thing. What will be different this time, I wonder? What will be different after this Shaking. This time of shaking, and listen, I know how weird this sounds, but in this time of shaking, we've been given an opportunity to see what we know best, 
to see who we are in this opportunity. We've been given a chance for clarity, for repentance, and for change. If it's true that a man in a crisis always falls back upon what he knows best, it's also true that a man always emerges out of a crisis transformed. What do we know best, and how will Emmanuel be different because of this current crisis? Jesus is the good shepherd. He's the foundation upon which we are built, the one we are to know best. The sheep of his fold are to look a certain way, to be devoted to the teaching of Scripture, the fellowship, the breaking of bread, and the prayers. But will we as a people persist in our devotion to the shepherd and things of the shepherd? The word of God, the fellowship of the flock of Jesus, the bread of Jesus, and the prayers in the name of Jesus. What good habits have we created in this time that we as individuals, families, and as an Emmanuel carry forward in loving service to our triune God and as gospel witness? Will our devotion persist? Or will we be lulled back to what was by the siren call of the normal? Jesus is still the good shepherd. The church is his fold devoted to the things of Jesus. This is encouragement. This is challenge. This is opportunity. And I've said this to you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. We respond to the proclamation of God's word by saying together the Apostles' Creed found on page 7. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. The Lord be with you and with your spirit. Let us pray. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. O Lord, show your mercy upon us and grant us your salvation. O Lord, guide those who govern us and lead us in the way of justice and truth. Clothe your ministers with righteousness and let your people sing with joy. O Lord, save your people and bless your inheritance. Give peace in our time, O Lord, and defend us by your mighty power. Let not the needy, O Lord, be forgotten, nor the hope of the poor be taken away. Create in us clean hearts, O God. And take not your Holy Spirit from us. O God, whose Son Jesus Christ is the Good Shepherd of your people, grant that when we hear his voice, we may know him who calls us each by name and follow where he leads us, who with you and the Holy Spirit lives and reigns, one God forever and ever. Amen. Now, in this time of social distress, we pray for trustfulness and we pray for neighborliness. Most loving Father, you will us to give thanks to for all things, to dread nothing but the loss of you, and to cast all our care on the one who cares for us. Preserve us from faithless fears and worldly anxieties, 
and grant that no clouds of this mortal life may hide from us the light of that love which is immortal and which you have manifested unto us in your Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Increase, O God, the spirit of neighborliness among us, that in peril we may uphold one another, in suffering tend to one another, and in homelessness, loneliness, or exile befriend one another. Grant us brave and enduring hearts that we may strengthen one another until the disciplines and testing of these days are ended. And you again give peace in our time through Jesus Christ, our Lord. We pray for the mission of the church. We continue uh, to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ, even in the midst of crisis, in the midst of pandemic. The mission of the church doesn't end. And so let us pray. Almighty and everlasting God, who alone works great marvels, send down upon our clergy and the congregations committed to their charge the life-giving spirit of your grace. Shower them with the continual dew of your blessing and ignite in them a zealous love of your gospel through Jesus Christ, our Lord. We offer prayers this morning for those who are ill, who are sick and struggling, for those who are in need of healing and renewal. We offer prayers for those who care for the sick, the medical professions. Almighty and immortal God, giver of life and health, we implore your mercy for your servants. Sally, Forrest, Nancy, Betts, Joe, Danny, John, Patty, Lee, Marlene, Nathaniel, Judy, Carol, Al, Helen, Joyce, Jenna, Caleb K, Ann, Jonathan, Dave, Bob, Sally, Hal, June, Mike, Dave, Mallory, Lori, Tammy, Grace, Randy, and any others that you may now name. that by your blessing upon them and upon those who minister to them with your healing gifts, they may be restored to health of body and mind according to your gracious will and may give thanks to you in your holy church through Jesus Christ our Lord. We pray for the expectant moms we know and love. We pray for Rachel, Pam, Caitlin, Jackie, and Tressa. Almighty God, whose blessed Son, Jesus Christ, went about doing good and healing all manner of sickness and disease among the people, continue in our hospitals His gracious work among us. Console and heal the sick, and grant to the physicians, nurses, and assisting staff, like Rebecca, Marianne, and Aaron, wisdom and skill, diligence and patience. Prosper their work, O Lord, and send down your blessing upon all who serve the suffering through Jesus Christ our Lord. We also pray today, we lift up before you, O Lord, those whom we know who are in grief uh, because they have lost loved ones. We pray specifically for the Liberty, the church at Liberty Square and the Ruggiero family. Heavenly Father, help us to entrust our loved ones to your care. Though sorrow darkens our lives, help us to look up to you, remembering the great cloud of witnesses by which we are surrounded. And grant that we on earth, rejoicing ever in your presence, may share with them the rest and peace which your presence gives through Jesus Christ our Lord. 
Gracious God, we turn to you in times of suffering. We turn to you in times of struggle. We turn to you. And we pray for your grace to be upon us. Help us in this time of shaking to cling fast to Jesus and to be devoted to the things of Jesus that we emerge from this transformed, renewed, and remade. We praise you and we give you thanks for life in Jesus' name, for life together as Emmanuel Church. We praise you and give you thanks for all the blessings of this life, your provision, your protection, and your very presence. And we pray that you would be glorified in us, through us, and by us. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Let us pray together the general thanksgiving found printed on page 11 of our Easter liturgies. Almighty God, Father of all mercies, we, your unworthy servants, give you humble thanks for all your goodness and loving kindness to us and to all whom you have made. We bless you for our creation, preservation, and all the blessings of this life, but above all for your immeasurable love in the redemption of the world by our Lord Jesus Christ for the means of grace and for the hope of glory. And we pray, give us such an awareness of your mercies that with truly thankful hearts we may show forth your praise, not only with our lips, but in our lives, by giving up up ourselves to your service and by walking before you in holiness and righteousness all our days. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, to whom with you and the Holy Spirit be honor and glory throughout all ages. Amen. All of our problems we send to the cross of Christ. All of our difficulties we send to the cross of Christ. All the devil's works we send to the cross of Christ. And all of our hopes we set on the risen Christ. May Christ, the Son of Righteousness, shine upon you and scatter the darkness from before your path. And the blessing of God Almighty, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be with you now and remain with you always. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you for joining with us this morning for uh, morning prayer and a time of worship. We pray that God bless you and keep you until we can see one another again. Have a good day.